Hello everyone, welcome back to Drops of Fiction, the podcast all about fictional fun. I think that's the right way to say it. Yeah, the podcast all about fiction, there we go. Hello, hope you're all having a good day. I'm Bronte, I'm your host. I have the lovely Livy back with me today. Hello, it's good to be back. And of course we are doing another uh, gothic-y, paranormal-inspired one. Yes. Because, I mean, what else would we... What else would we talk about? <laughs> what else point? would I get you on for? Exactly. Well, probably more Sherlock Holmes. But other I mean, than yeah. that, I think my two main things are Sherlock Holmes and supernatural vampires specifically. Yeah. So. Imagine if you put the two together. I mean, isn't that the thing I'm writing anyway? Yeah, in, that's in, true. A, in a sense, you know, vampire mystery. It's going to have Benedict Cumberbatch <laughs> in it when I make it. You know, the works. <laughs> that's true. But I think that's one thing that you're missing from your life is a Sherlock Holmes episode, which has got some, like, actual Short paranormal-esque yeah. in, yeah. I suppose the Irregulars kind of cover that. Mm. That Netflix show, if anyone's watched it, it had... um a lot of supernatural elements to it. It was really fun, and I'm really sad it got cancelled. Did it get cancelled? Yeah, only oh. one series. But it was so good. <laughs> oh, but good ones always get cancelled after one season. They really do. It's not fair. <laughs> no. Anyway, <laughs> for first divulge of the episode out the way with. <laughs> it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, so the reason I wanted to get you on is that when looking into different like paranormal stuff, for whatever reason, like, at the time I was looking into it, it got me thinking that a lot of paranormal like characters and uh, archetypes are now so romanticized and so sexualized yeah. in modern day, and I'm just like, but why? Why can't we stick to hardcore? Yeah, like what it is, and I just thought we just need to talk about it, like yeah. just the reasons why and why it's appealing to so many people. Yeah, definitely. I will say though, in terms of that, I think True Blood is like a really good mix of you know, sticking to, like, the hardcore vampires, they're very violent, they drink blood, they, you know, none of this sparkling in the daylight kind of thing. <laughs> when when they go out into the sun, they turn to ash kind of deal. But then it also has lots of, like, very sexual elements, lots of sex scenes within the TV show. Mm. But there was one thing that kind of, like, stuck out to me, particularly in the first season. So there's an episode where... The main character, Suki, goes with her boyfriend, Bill, who is a vampire. And the reason they're together is because she's like a mind reader and she can't read vampires' minds. That's why they're very appealing to her in that regard. But they go, they're looking for some people who have been killed because they've associated with vampires. So they go to like the vampire bar Mm. and um, they're talking to a bartender and he says that like anyone who goes there, like wants to die because vampires are death and that's what the supposed allure is for a lot of those people in in the show at the very least because it's sort of like it's like a brush with death but you don't Mm. necessarily like have to die it's a really weird there's like that's one route it kind of went for um in that show Mm. but it's funny sorry how you would say like the the brush with death without actually dying because mm. a bit in Buffy that really reminds me of that um where Riley's getting like high off vampires biting him where it's giving him some sort of adrenaline it's like yeah. obviously he could die at any moment they could just completely drain him dry yeah but he goes to this like house of just these uh these, I don't know homeless vampires I guess you would call yeah. them like they're just sort of like laying around and like they literally get paid obviously in blood people to come humans to come and just be bitten and it just yeah. seems like such a bizarre concept but I guess it is like there's that adrenaline like brush with death without actually dying but like the paranormal spin yeah exactly and then um 
Oh no, I completely lost the point. I'm oh, sorry. Wait, it was, no, it was going to go back to True Blood about it as well. Oh, that was about the getting high thing. But in the show, they if you take vampire blood in like a certain way, humans can get high off of vampire blood as That's well. That's interesting. So there's like a whole storyline to do with people getting addicted to V, which is like the colloquial term for vampire blood within the show. And it's like illegal to mm. do that stuff. I guess in some cases, but like, well, I guess in True Blood's case, it's very much... A sense of like it is the adrenaline rush it is the kind of like i shouldn't be doing this because the setting of true blood is in um the deep south in louisiana oh, yeah. and there's a lot of like very much like the religious aspect of being like our oh, vampires go against god so it is very <laughs> much like a, oh i shouldn't be doing this kind of thing which mm. is why i guess in the true blood sense that's where they're romanticized to mm. a degree because it's like something it's the forbidden fruit you shouldn't yeah, have it is that trend i think it's the whole you can't have it so you want it element. Yeah. i know people that trope is also used in like even contemporary stuff it's the whole like oh but they're with someone else i can't yeah. be with them kind of thing yeah. but i guess with paranormal it just feels different in terms of like but you don't want to be with them because they will they could kill you they could kill you exactly <laughs> like, it's not like oh you can't be with them because of someone else they, they, they will literally take your life yeah very <laughs> very bizarre yeah i mean the fact that you mentioned spark to vampires like twilight was the main thing i wanted to discuss yeah just 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 because it was such a big thing and like everyone i knew was in love with one of them it was either team edward or team jake and i was like but i i just don't get the appeal like they're like these like meant to be i don't know these like really like paranormal like fearful creatures but yet you want to go and sleep with them like... Yeah, I mean, I I personally don't like the Twilight Saga. I appreciate what Stephanie Myers tried to do with, like, her vampires was something different. Mm. I just don't think it worked because any other piece of, like, vampire media or literature that you consume, it, the vampires are always still very menacing. Even if they're the good guys, you still know there's, like, this bad side to them. Yeah. And I guess with the Cullens in Twilight, I know Jasper had, like his issues with blood and all that. But the whole thing where it's like, oh yeah, because we drink animal blood, we're vegetarians, <laughs> we don't attack humans, we're different from all those other vampires that drink human blood. And it was like, but isn't blood blood though? Yeah. Like, why does there have to be like a difference? Mm. And I just think, I don't know, I just think the Twilight vampires are a bit pathetic. Yeah. You know, going out into the sun and sparkling. <laughs> like, where where does that even come from? I no. don't I don't get that at all. No. I don't know. And then no. the werewolves oh. in that as well. What I don't understand is how modern day, um, not even horrors, like, you know, things like Vampire Diaries, Twilight, Teen Wolf. Mm. I don't understand how they've managed to effectively sexualise werewolves. Yeah. Because nobody wants to be a werewolf. Like, no. because it's not... A consensual thing usually I found like anyone who's bitten by wealth they don't want to be bitten by wealth yeah. because you don't they don't want to turn into a monster at like the full moon kind mm. of thing um so you know in the case of like Professor Lupin and Harry Potter like yes. he was very young when he was bitten by a werewolf obviously that's not sexualized at all that's like no. a whole other thing but that's where it's like okay you don't want this to happen in True Blood though it's a bit different they're they're born into it so all the werewolves okay. are kind of like 
you know, if you if you're a werewolf, you would have been born into it kind of thing because of like some very old, ancient magic kind of thing, which I think was like quite cool. I think that was yeah. a really fun way to deal with werewolves. Um, but then there's like other aspects to it which aren't touched on that much in the show. That is very briefly, but there's more to it in the book. So you have like were tigers, were panthers, and the were panthers were touched on in the show where it was like um, they're kind of like dying out, so they have to bite people to turn them and the main character's brother ends up in that situation where he gets bitten by werepanthers and because they want to turn him into one so they can carry on like the line Mm. of werepanthers but it it doesn't work (laughs) but he didn't he didn't want that and that was like an aspect of it that like wasn't sexualized i guess Mm. but then like with the actual wells in the show one of the characters he's um he's played by uh joe mangan yellow but um he's he ended up in like magic mike basically <laughs> which tells you everything you need to know about this man's physique he's very yeah. strong very muscly and he was always getting his shirt off um mm. in true blood before like turning into a wolf because they could turn into wolves um mm. anytime they wanted but yeah. yeah and then like i think vampire diaries you've got the wolves in that i think as well i haven't seen it it's been a while since I've watched any of it. I think I dropped off of it a bit. But, um, yeah, there's wolves in that. I can't remember how they dealt with them. But from what I'm aware of in, like, most horror films, like, you don't want to be a werewolf in no. any capacity. So the fact that shows, like, True Blood <laughs> and Vampire Diaries, Teen Wolf I'm not too familiar with, but they're still... Teen Wolf, I remember when it was first on Netflix or when I first got Netflix, I watched, I think, the first couple of episodes, and I was like, this is just... Dim. I don't. I don't. I don't yeah. get the appeal of this. Yeah. It was just them, sort of, you know, the whole like typical teenage in uh, high school, but then they just turned to werewolves, and it was like. But it, I don't think it was done that well. But I think yeah. I just caught on at the wrong time. Maybe. But no, it's just funny that you should mention the physiques. Cause that was one thing actually I want to touch on. The fact that all of these characters have been betrayed, you know, by these like hench, like good looking yeah. people. But it's like that. Okay, because they're dark and mysterious, they have to be aesthetically pleasing mm. as well. But it's like, but surely that can't be the entire culture not every vampire can have that look or werewolf no like and so i'm just gonna keep using true blood as an example because it's a good example because it is a really good example because like not a lot of the werewolves in that show they are very like heavily built but then you have some of them which aren't as like mostly like they're quite lean but you know and then the vampires you've got like a really like big range of body types and like you know people of different ethnicities being vampires and stuff but I think um, it was very self like aware I think of like the whole vampire mythos as a whole because in in um, season one even there's um, a storyline of one of the humans where he's like made a deal with a vampire and he goes to take the vampire's blood and then sell it on as like the drug V which I mentioned before and the vampire himself is overweight and okay the cat the human characters like oh are vampires supposed to be you know like interesting it's like there's no it depends on when um, the vampire gets turned at their point in life and this guy was like in his like late 40s early 50s or something like that and he was just an overweight vampire and they kind of touched on the fact that oh there's like a stereotype we have in our head about Mm. what a vampire is meant to look like and he didn't fit that stereotype which i thought was like really interesting we never saw like an overweight or like fat vampire again um after that <laughs> but i still thought it was like a good thing to touch on definitely so yeah no i guess that's true because i suppose they kind of just stay fixed at the point that they're mm. turned 
Yeah, and this guy, this particular vampire, he was like a minor, very minor character. He d- he didn't last very long in the show. He did end up getting staked, which, um, oh, in True Blood, when the vampire gets staked, they don't turn to ash. No. They, um, they kind of explode a little bit in lots of blood and guts kind of way. Very stringy. They kind of affect, in, in, depending on the case, like in some cases it showed them kind of like exploding. In some cases it was just literally like melting into the pool of goo. So the way you're describing it, I'm imagining the Slovene when you chuck it with vinegar. Yeah, not as bad as that, but like there is some sort of little implosion and it's just like lots of stringy. Mm. Guts. It's quite. It's really gross. But I was like, that's an interesting way of having it done. Because yeah. I think at that point, everyone was used to like the Buffy the Vampire Slayer, like turning to yeah. dust and ash, like yeah. kind of thing. See, I do like it in Buffy, but that was the mm. first. That was, I think, one of the only vampire shows that I really enjoy because it was very like there was different types of vampires, mm. but they still had that allure and quality to them. Yeah. But they were there was a lot of humor in it, but it was done done so differently. Like the vamp the the wealth and that actually wasn't oh, the typical Oz, I love yeah. Oz. Oz, he's so weedy as yeah. well. He was right he really wasn't a typical werewolf. No. But even he was like, you don't want to be a werewolf yeah. man, wasn't it? He wasn't But then that's interesting actually. It tends to be more of like the T V show S not uh yeah, the T V show S is more less stereotypical, but then the big film ones that they do mm. and then the books is a lot more stereotypical, hench, you know, that that allure to them. Mm. You say that about books, you know, it's very stereotypical, but Dracula himself in the Mm. book, he actually started out kind of like quite old, I think. And that was something that um, BBC Dracula played on. They still had him as like this old count, but the more blood he took from Jonathan, like the younger he became. And he wasn't sexy or anything like that. I wouldn't wouldn't say that, (laughs) but it was interesting how he became like he did become like more alluring because he was sort of you know regaining his youth like the more blood that he drank Mm. kind of thing which i thought was like an interesting take on it you know he's like ah he's finally been fed so he's gonna look how he looked when he turned that's what i'm assuming in that one but i think in the book it's been a while since i've read it he does remain like quite older looking Mm. you know like late 50s i would say yeah but that's what i mean in terms like my much the modern take on it is to make them, you know, young, attractive oh. and whatnot. Whereas obviously Dracula's, you know, yeah. year, years and years old now. So it would yeah. have been slightly different. Yeah. No, I think, I feel like now, I think if anything new came along vampire-wise, I feel like, you know, it's 2022, maybe we would try and get away from like, ah, oh, all the vampires have to be like young kind of thing. Mm. Unless there's like a specific reason for it like in what I'm writing <laughs> oh but yeah your vampires can stay yeah <laughs> I mean like the two main characters in it one's a, a they're both like 2000 year old vampires but one of them looks like she's 25 forever but that's because of like her backstory she was uh she was like a Roman slave and they're always mm. like relative she'd been in that position for a while and the the other one's like 50 ish because yeah. he lived a whole human life and had a son and everything so that's one thing I don't get it's the ones that are like either freshly turned or like relatively like newly turned like past couple hundred years and they always have a family but they're they're always like really young yeah especially when they they have a family of maybe like and like they have like a teenage aged sort of like son or daughter and it's like but why do you still look like you're 30? Like, I get, you know, yeah. people in the Victorian era, like, had kids quite young, but 
still in yeah. some cases it's a bit I don't know I just don't think it makes sense no not, hashtag not all vampires <laughs> need to, not, they don't all need to be super young it's good it's to true, get though. more of a range in because then mm. I think you can play around with backstories as mm. well and there's like so much more humanity you could like add into it as well and there could also be like less romanticization mm. of it too that's true I mean, it's one thing I always wonder because I'll see the whole like vampire and sort of like the mind control aspect because that's been around for you know generations yeah. and the idea of it and like Mon- they put it in Monday and the fact that they they don't always touch on it but they think that they don't need to because obviously the vampire's young attractive they'll lure people in on their own they don't yeah. need the fancy mind control also I don't think the mind control thing is like a massive part of like vampire lore so to speak I think that's just different like versions just sort of bring it in bringing it in it just tends to be one of the more popular yeah. tropes to use alongside yeah. vampires like obviously the main tropes are I can't go out in sunlight uh, stake to the heart like a wooden stake to the heart kills them yeah and in a lot of cases the mind control kind of thing with like the eyes but one thing i really like about true blood is that they have a different one where it's like silver is harmful to vampires you know how it's always like oh silver's harmful to werewolves in this case it's harmful to vampires it has like a burning sensation to Mm. them so i i quite like that one it's very actually yeah so there's like more ways to harm a vampire if needed because of like the whole religious versus vampires thing that goes on in that show yeah, so that's true yeah. that's true kind of shifting a little bit off topic but and just more of a question for you like what is it about vampires that you love so much i think i was just exposed to them like quite young like mm. my parents let me watch buffy when i was like three <laughs> years old and i think it was like one of like the first like supernatural creatures and i just thought it was really cool i don't know like i just thought it was like a really cool concept like you know all these like creepy creatures come out at night yeah and obviously you know i saw a lot of sarah michelle geller going around killing them and i I just thought like that whole storyline was like quite cool and then um you know obviously buffy had the spin-off of angel which i also watched my parents quite young um (laughs) And obviously Angel is like the good vampire in the Buffy yeah. US. He's a vampire with a soul. And I think it was just sort of nice seeing like that perspective of it. You mm. know, I think it was just, I think it was because of like that. And it was like, oh, okay, you know, vampires aren't all inherently bad. And I think mm. it's just an, in, like I said, it's just an interesting concept of a mm. creature that there's so much like law behind it because it's something that's been around for a really long time. Yeah, I, I just think they're really interesting and quite fun to write about, especially when you can see that people have different ways of like interpreting them and how to like make a vampire mm. in whatever specific piece of media or literature it is and what it's in and um like what harms them what doesn't you know like true blood is quite self-referential as well in that like suki the main character she asked her boyfriend like oh what about garlic and it's like oh no that's that's a lie it just you know <laughs> just makes your breath smell bad doesn't it (laughs) and in that um she also asks oh can you be seen in mirrors like do you have a reflection and they go oh yes we made that rumor up though just so people didn't suspect you know anything (laughs) kind of thing um so yeah it's stuff like that I think it's quite fun so you can still have the mirror thing in one thing but it doesn't have to be there in another for whatever reason. So. Yeah. No, I just wonder because like my first exposure to them was Twilight. That's the thing. I didn't yeah. get shown Buffy until I think Breaking Dawn Part 2 was at this point. It was like just after that. Mm. And it was my first time but sort of, yeah, being exposed to vampires and werewolves really. And I, just did, I just didn't get it. 
I just, yeah, I just didn't get it in I terms don't... of like just just because all my friends around were like oh my god like they're amazing and whatnot I was like but why it was only because they fancied them yeah. which is why I think I have the association of oh you don't like them because yeah. you think that they look hot yeah but then you go to the actual character like deconstruction it's like oh okay there's actually more here yeah. which I what is I found in Buffy yeah it's because there was so much more variety of like vampires Absolutely. and laws and there was just a, it was just a lot more well, well thought out and obviously, I was quite little when I watched Buffy, so I was not thinking about their no. looks or anything. I was just like, oh my god, this is like really cool. It's a really fun show, you know? Mm. Like, it wasn't scary to me or anything. I knew it was like all fake, you know? I wasn't like scared by it. And so I think by the time Twilight came out, like, I read all the books, I have watched all the films, but I wasn't like in on the hype. Mm. I was just sort of like, you really do just like them because you think they're pretty kind of thing to yeah. a lot of my friends. But I never. I never saw the appeal of, no. like, Edward Cullen or <laughs> Jacob. No. But I think the difference as well with Twilight is that, for me, it, the whole setup of the story is that it's a rom-com. Like, well, it, it's a romantic story of the whole forbidden yeah. love. It gives me Romeo and Juliet vibes in terms of the fact that, oh, yeah. they can't be together because of this, which has obviously been stunned to death anyway, mm. but just with the paranormal twist, which is fine as a twist, but I feel like something like Paranormal, if you're going to do it, have Paranormal as the main storyline yeah. and at least have more of it. Because I feel like, as well when Twilight, like, certain laws only came up when it was relevant to the yeah. plot line and like stuff that should have been relevant way before yeah. only came up oh because it's threatening the relationship with these characters that's it's why now, it's yeah. yeah oh now suddenly it's a big issue whereas a few weeks ago it wasn't a, even a thing yeah that's why I'm kind of like with like the vampire thing I'm writing I'm trying to set up like a whole established like political system for them yes. that's relevant throughout the entire thing and instead of it popping up when it becomes relevant to a character's storyline it's always there but it's characters trying to find loopholes within it which i think is more fun to deal with just like what's the loop like how can they try and get around like this one specific law because there's a bit where like a human gets brought into the whole vampire mess and they're not allowed to know certain things And they're like, okay, well, we, we kind of like this person. You want them to stick around hat, and it, but they, they shouldn't. How, how do we get around this, like, <laughs> little bylaw that, you know, the the older vampire character has written yeah. in kind of thing? <laughs> Which I think I think that's more of a fun way to... Yeah, and I think that. as well, like, vampire laws just don't ever tend to change. Whereas, right. obviously, if they were, you know, around, like, like, humans, surely their laws would progress with time yeah. rather than being stuck in their very much old ways. Yeah. That's actually something I'm going to touch on in my own, own thing. Ooh. The the season two arc is going to be particularly good with that. They have like a whole thing if someone wants to challenge like leadership and then they have to like go through with it. I'm not going to give away everything on this, <laughs> but um, yeah. And then they can't like by the end of season two, they realize, OK, this is like a really ancient thing that we should probably change because it's quite <laughs> they're like it's barbaric because of how old it is. It worked better for when, you know, it was like the the 1200 years kind of thing you know like pre-shakespeare maybe kind of thing and it's like uh, maybe we should change this it was very much born (laughs) off like the roman gladiatorial era yeah like uh, maybe we should change what we do here you know just stuff like that yeah so i'm trying to make it more self-aware in Mm. that sense and then and like the main reason I like the whole idea of vampires having their own political system. Again, that's something that's done in True Blood. And True Blood was based off of um but 
because it's all all the books are purely from the perspective of Suki Stackhouse you don't necessarily dive too much onto the vampire side of things and anything you do learn you learn because she's learning it yeah, it's kind that of perspective thing. of things yeah but like the show obviously because you're interacting with different storylines it's not just hers there's more you learn about the vampires and i think i think it's in season five you find you meet like the vampire government and how they govern everything and what laws they have um and i just feel like it didn't go far enough mm. They could have delved into it a little bit deeper, but then there was like a whole weird vampire religion thing going on <laughs> on the side, which is where the show went by the end of season five, mm. which wasn't, it was all right. But then the showrunner, there was a different showrunner oh. from season six and it just sort of went a bit downhill after that. Person. Always happens when showrunner yeah. changes, no matter what the show is. I know, it's really annoying, but... Um, I mean, that's a conversation for a whole other time. Exactly. <laughs> but I feel like if they had stuck with the same showrunner, if he hadn't left, I think we would have learned more about how the vampires worked and, like, mm. the weird vampire religion thing would have been done a whole lot better, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> but, yeah, so I just think it's interesting to, like, actually establish, mm. like, this set of rules for vampires because they obviously live in secret. So they kind of need their own things to get along with because, you know, they're legally announced dead in the human world, but actually they come alive at yeah. night, so they need their own system to deal with. And I don't think that's kind of touched on enough, mm. especially when you're dealing with, like, larger groups of vampires. Because I don't think it's ever touched on in, like, the Vampire Diaries. I don't... I mean, I haven't no. seen it, but I don't... I haven't heard of it happening, but... Mm. That's true. I mean, I'd love to see you something one day where vampires aren't in hiding. They're just, you know... Well, in True Blood, they're, they're not in hiding. There. Oh, no. Mm. But I mean, like, across, like, the whole world? Yeah. Or is it just that place? No, oh. no, across the whole world. Um, the When series one starts, it's that vampires have um, come out of the coffin two years to the show starting. So come out of the coffin? Yeah, that's what they refer to it as. <laughs> Canonically, they refer to it as that. It's quite funny. Um, and then it's, like, dealing with, like, vampires trying to get, like, rights and, mm. the, you know, same as human rights kind of thing. It's, it's really mm. interesting, like, the, those political aspects of it. In my show, they've been around for like with humans for like fifty plus years. Yeah. Kind of thing. So it's more there's a more established system of like working mm. with humans. So yeah, I think it'd be interesting because imagine having to share life with another species. Yeah. That's like the same sort of sentience and whatnot as you. But it's just one survives an entirely different way in an entirely different time of day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that's true. I mean, imagine just the streets at night would be a completely different story. Yeah. Obviously, I feel like there would obviously just be laws in place to prevent yeah. you know, random attacks happening on humans because vampires want blood <laughs> and all that kind of thing. That's true. I always wonder as well if that was the case, whether humans would stop fighting amongst themselves if they've got someone else to be wary of. I don't know. Not completely, Not but completely. like less so. Less so. Because it tends to be in all, a lot of the sci-fi things I've watched, when there's other races involved, humans tend mm. to fight a lot less amongst each other. Yeah, there was an element of that in True Blood, like, you know, different religious groups or just people who didn't like the idea of vampires, like, they would kind of, like, unite a little bit, you know, because they're like, oh, we don't like vampires mm. kind of thing, which is quite fun, so. That is interesting. Mm. I mean, one more thing about the whales I want to touch as well is that, mm. did you read the Shiver series? No, series? what's that? So it's werewolves. I think this is what really... I always preferred werewolves over vampires because okay. I thought the history was a lot more interesting and, mm. like, the turning. But basically, in this world, the only thing I really remember about it, it's been years since I read it, was that these werewolves 
um, I think they call them a soft wells, call something else, but they change with the seasons. So right. they go into they go into wolf form in winter. Mm. So it has to be a certain temperature for them to start changing, and there'll be a certain like you know like the mid season, like kind of like now yeah. where it's sunny then it's cold, sunny then it's cold. So they'll be like constantly fluctuating oh depending God. on what the temperature is. That's really interesting. Yeah. So then they kind of you follow the perspective of one of them who's a wolf, and then a human girl who saw him as a wolf when she was a little girl in her garden mm. and. It goes, turns into a bit of a love story, but I think it's done a lot better than Twilight. Yeah. <laughs> in terms of just the way it's done, because yeah. she has a history as well, with the fact that she was bitten as a child. But then oh. when you... But then you can, like, stop it turning you if you go to a certain temperature. From what I remember, I'm kind of spoiling some bit. Anyway, because mm-hmm. um, she was bitten, then she was left alone in a car on a hot day, and it got really, really hot. I think mm. she got sick, but then she kind of, like, sweated it out, oh. which was an interesting thing, going, oh, okay. So it's all done by temperature, which I thought was so interesting. Like, it's not done by the moon. Like, all that mm. was myths. But the fact that, okay, because people do change, obviously, per seasons. We're affected by things differently mm. with different weather. So, okay, that's a really interesting I concept. I think that's an interesting concept as well. Yeah. I feel like it does have the potential to get a little bit messy, though, with, mm. like, the co- like with, especially with fluctuating temperatures. They, there's no control over it. Yeah. You know? From what I remember, I think it's set somewhere in America, and it uh, tends to be they've got very reliable seasons. Yeah. But there's always that, like in-between period where like and for that place they kind of just have to get away to somewhere that they have their own little like houses they go to for this time so the just the in-between where they can you know change and whatnot piece but like it was just i was sort of so interesting the fact Mm. that that in my head was like that that works that does actually yeah it does work it works and it was just quite original compared to other stuff i've read or seen before Mm. that's what always always stuck with me i need to read it again actually maybe i'll need to read it as well yeah because it's just something different compared i think i think i read it at the similar point as i saw twilight i was like Mm. okay this is at least this is different it has a bit more substance to it yeah um and again they weren't all like you know romanticized in the way Mm. that they had their flaws and they you saw like the like the darker more ugly Mm. side of them yeah there was a love interest between like the girl and the main guy but like he was just a guy and they they I think they felt each other because they both loved books or something like that. Oh, like, that's really cute. From what I, I remember, that. I think he worked in a bookshop and that's when they, that's when they met. I'm remembering, like, bitty details. Yeah. <laughs> but obviously she was still attracted to him physically, but that's just a generic book trope. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> but I thought, okay, this is something interesting. Yeah. Have you um, ever watched the Underworld films? No. Because there's... it. They're very camp. Um, <laughs> I've okay. only watched... There's four of them. I've only watched the first three because they were like a trilogy and then a few years back they made a fourth one. But um, <laughs> lots of leather. Like, lots oh, of... Yeah, that and look. it's like, the vampires have like, their own like, kind of like, society in a way. Um, but I believe it's the third film where they go up against werewolves. Okay. But the werewolves, they refer to themselves as um, lycans, because, you know, lycanthropes. Yes. So... And I was, oh, what do you always think of, like, the whole vampires versus werewolves thing? Like, in terms of them just, like, <sighs> the fighting, not, like... I was like, oh, are you team vampire? Well, but, like, you mean as, like, the generic trope of mm. the fact that they're always at each other's throats. I don't know. I think it depends on the context of what it yeah. is. Because I feel like, as two sort of, like, different species, it makes sense for them to bash heads occasionally. But I feel like it's too overdone it's overdone and it's very much like oh yes the werewolf the sworn enemy yeah. of the vampire and it's kind of like 
does it but, always have to be like this? Because both yeah. you guys, if humans knew you guys existed in, like, say, like, the underworld kind of yeah. worlds, like, you guys would just be, like, dead kind of thing. <laughs> exactly. But, yeah, oh, it's been a while since I've watched the underworld films. I might need to give them, like, a rewatch because they are, they are kind of fun. Yeah. So is it just sort of different underworld creatures? Um, it's mo- It just focuses mostly on, like, vampires and then, like, werewolves. But yeah, I can barely remember any de- details <laughs> from those films. I remember watching them, and I was like, "Okay, this is interesting." Yeah, but they are—they are supposedly like very sexy mm. vampires, you know, lots of wearing lots of leather. Mm. <laughs> Just... I guess part of it as well stems from the whole, like you know, that the bad boy trope yeah, in a really, lot of things, yeah. and it's like it stems from that. It's like, but is there cause for that? Like, no. I know it's in the way that I don't get the whole like how it could be attractive that someone's like skulking around in the dark and like all mysterious it's and like, like moody but... emo boy isn't yeah, it people I mean, love that i just don't get it i think it's pretty stems for me just not understanding that mm. um but uh, it's just so you have fun. to admit though like both spike and angel with their long coats they're pretty cool just the coats themselves oh yeah i love the coats yeah, costumes that's I mean. are great. yeah, yeah that's what i mean like i love i love that aspect of both of their costumes like you know, yeah it's quite cool yeah oh were you more of an angel fan or more of a spike fan i think i was more of an angel fan by the end of it i loved both of them Ooh. but obviously i've watched the spin-off yeah so. i can get into the spin-off Oh, series three is where it gets, like, really good. Okay. Because like, I always found Angel, I don't know, quite annoying in places. Oh! He just seemed a bit needy <laughs> in parts. Like, I get it that he was the only yeah. one with a soul. And, like... He learned more about him in his own show, obviously. Okay. Which is, like, quite interesting. Um, and, like, you have... Spike pops up again in season oh, Spike. five. So funny. Um, Darla pops up Ooh. as well. I'm not going to give away any spoilers about what happens to her. Oh, no, please don't. I think Drusilla pops up at one stage in season two as well with Darla, actually. But then I can't remember what happened to her. But, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I think I just preferred Spike's arc about how, you know, he was, like, very much, like, must kill the Slayer. Yeah. And then, obviously, how things progressed. Like, the point where, I mean, spoilers, but the point where he can't bite anyone was so much fun. (laughs) Oh, there's a there's such a good episode of Angel though, and it's really weird. It's a really weird episode, but at this point, like Spike's come back, and um, Angel gets turned into a puppet, <laughs> and he even has little puppet fangs oh as my well. God. And he like they do the little angry vampire th- face on the puppets. But my favorite thing is when um, Spike like goes into Angel's office and. And he's like, oh my god, and Angel's like, get out, Spike, get out, Spike. And Spike's like, you're a wee little puppet, man. And then suddenly just this puppet of Angel is just flying across the room at Spike, knocks him out into the corridor, and he's just, like, attacking Spike, like, as a puppet. And Spike is, like, a fully normal human. Oh my god, I need to just see that scene. Just that entire episode is just so... It's such a weird episode, like, people getting turned into puppets, and they have to go and kill the thing that's, like, doing it, but, oh, oh Spike and Angel in that episode were just, their dynamic was so good. Their dynamic is always good. But that episode in particular, when Angel is the puppet, is just, yeah. <laughs> that's definitely not romanticised at all, that's just 
funny. That's yeah. just like the funniest form of vampire. I do get. love the humor. Yeah. With that, last thing I love Buffy because it is humorous in parts, but it also has the dark element. It has like, a yeah. nice balance, I think. But it's funny how you mentioned actually the like the the strength and whatnot because that's one yeah. thing as well. In a lot of things, it tends to be the trope of oh they're super strong, they're super fast, got really good hearing. Yeah, yeah. it's all heightened. Is like, does that happen in True Blood? Yes. Because that's one thing I'd love to see one where they're the only difference about them is the fact that they can you know drink blood mm. and they've been frozen in terms of like they're not going to age. I'm pretty certain the in Dracula like he's not got super speed. I can't remember about the hearing, but he can turn into a bat. Yeah, think. so that's yeah. what I mean. He's still got something yeah. that he can do. Yeah. Um, yeah. True Blood is very much the speed. It's got to focus on like the speed and the strength. Some vampires can fly. Yeah. But it's only certain lines of vampires that can fly, and it's usually like the really kind of like ancient ones that can like properly do it so like the character of eric northman like he's a 1000 year old viking vampire he is like ruthless as fuck but he's very much like the anti-hero type vampire okay. so even though you you really do kind of hate him at first and when you see him in like season one like very briefly in season one and then season two he's still like a massive asshole but then you kind of see like a bit of a softer side to him and you realise oh okay there's like more to him and he's like the fan and then by the end of the whole show he's like the fan favourite I love it when that happens because yeah. I remember going back to series one or something and I'm like how I know I like you yeah. but remind me of how I like you I think an element of it is that um, they got rid of the wig they had Alexander Skarsgården <laughs> because um, in the books Eric is meant to have like really long um, blonde hair because obviously he was a viking okay. and they all had like quite long hair and in the books it was a thing that like how you die and become a vampire your looks stay the exact same so even if he tried to cut his hair it would grow back to the same length that's interesting um, bill has sideburns in the book that are quite like because he was like a confederate soldier when he died <laughs> so obviously there was like that certain look that they yeah. had back in th- those times and he was like oh yeah if i shaved them they would just grow back immediately yeah which i think is like really interesting like you can't change your appearance but they kind of got rid of that in the show because um the wig they had scarge got in it was like a shoulder length um blonde wig and it just wasn't like because you could also tell he was quite pretty this was like one of his i think this true blood was like his um third thing that he'd done in america but it was like his second big thing that Mm. he'd done after um generation kill and you could tell he's got like quite a pretty face kind of thing. And I think because of like how Eric's character like develops in the books and they were kind of going that way in the show as well. They're like, we need a way to get rid of, rid of the wig. Mm. And so they just at the beginning of season two, they just have his character go batshit crazy. Um, someone because he's like kidnapped a bunch. Of, basically, it's so <laughs> it's so messed up what his character does. So you're right. Like, how does this guy become the fan favorite? So basically... Yeah. He's kidnapped a bunch of humans and is keeping them in the basement of his bar oh because um, he, because of like how the, you know, I was saying about they have their own political system. So mm. in Louisiana, like every state is like split up into areas and he's the sheriff of area five. So oh. he looks after certain vampires within a specific zone. And because um, a couple of them went, well, one of them went missing. It was actually the, the fat vampire I referred to <laughs> earlier. And he knows about the fact people are selling vampire blood as a drug. He kidnaps a bunch of people who are supposedly linked to it. 
keeps him in his basement and one of them is like i'm gonna try and get out because he's locked up with a different character who is also a fan favorite and this random minor character is like oh, i'm gonna try and get us out of here and he has like a silver cross on okay. so he shoves it on eric's <gasps> face whilst um <laughs> he's getting his head on so his hair's in foils <laughs> and then because he's had this silver like smushed on his face he just goes ballistic and like rips the guy in half rips his legs off drinks from him a little bit but you don't see him do it you see the shadow oh that's cool of him do it but then the start of the next episode you see him throw this dismembered leg at the our other fan favorite (laughs) character and he's got all this blood in his hair and then that's how they get rid of the wig and it's so it's such a well done way and then it's just him and his normal hair and then he becomes like the really the hot pretty boy character who's an absolute arsehole but you kind of love him anyway because he's pretty (laughs) and then you see the but then you see the softer side of him and then you don't feel so weird about like liking him well that's the thing though i wonder if he hadn't had such you know like the the pretty face as whether they would have gone that way or whether if he was a lot sort of less traditional aesthetically pleasing character whether we wouldn't have a different route because obviously he wouldn't fit a certain stereotype yeah but what's really interesting is that the relationship that you're supposedly rooting for in True Blood is Suki and Bill. And Bill's not exactly the most conventionally good-looking guy. Like, he's got a very chiselled, like, face and all that. But he's not like, oh my god, I, I, I adore him. I think he's gorgeous <laughs> kind of thing. Um, he's very quite, like, average-looking. But you're still... Because he's, like, one of the good guys, you're like, oh, yeah, rooting for him. Yeah. And Suki, we're rooting for him to, you know, be the good guy. And then it turns out, oh, actually, he's been a liar this entire time. <gasps> and you start to hate him, but he's, like, constantly trying to repent and get forgiveness from Suki about, like, the entire thing. But by this point, you're like, no, I'd rather she go you, with you Eric. Like... You burnt the bridges. Like, you the bridge. Like, like, we were rooting for you, Bill, and now you've just <laughs> ruined it. Whereas Eric, because he's so... He's so awful, but he's always, like, really honest. Mm. I mean, he does lie sometimes, but at the base of it, he always, like, he's always, like, quite blunt and honest kind of thing. So you're kind of like, oh, okay, maybe this is the one that we should have always Mm. rooted for, bar Um, the fact that he's, you know, gorgeous. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I always found that quite interesting in Mm. the show as well. I guess one thing about vampires in like more of the TV and film show sense Mm. is that they have to deal with the fact that actors are going to age. Yeah. Whereas obviously in books it's fine because you're not going to see them. So obviously that's something they've got to factor in. Yeah. Because as much as prosthetics and whatnot is good, if it's a long running show, Mm. there's going to be some changes. Yeah. I think weirdly enough, the only struggle True Blood has because technically speaking, even though there were seven seasons, the entire show technically only takes place over the course of about two or three years. Really? That's so, unusual. Because, so it aired in 2008, right? And there's like, at the end of the series, there's a cliffhanger, which then is immediately picked up on at the next season. And it does oh. it each time. But then between series three and four, there's like a time jump, which is like only one year. And then again, it's like cliffhanger, cliffhanger, cliffhanger. And then in the final episode, they do a couple of time jumps to make it like up to date to 2014. But that's very much like after the main storyline is concluded and it's to see where the other characters are now. And the main reason I think they had to do that is because there's two kids in the show. Yeah. That obviously they were must have been about like seven and nine when they first started. But obviously one of them, the old, slightly older one, 
like went through puberty oh, so God. they so he, and they were the children of like one of like the main side characters okay. so they were in it quite a lot in like the first three seasons but they had to kind of like write them out a little bit and you couldn't they barely popped up and then you see them in like the last 10 minutes of the very final episode and they're like okay yeah so they brought it up to date to kind of work <laughs> yeah so it's like age. but i think also as well because all the vampires in the show they were in like their and um Skarsgård was in like his like early 30s when he joined so he was like not even 40 by the time they were done um and then Stephen Moyer who played Bill um he's quite a bit older anyway so I think he was like 40 when okay. they started and like you know 46 when they finished so that wasn't too bad because at that point like they've all like he's finished growing up at that point yeah and he it's just sort of a case of like very small things on him that are showing like his age but it wasn't noticeable noticeable enough mm. to like warrant any changes interesting so I think it's good that like True Blood was very much like an adult show where all the vampires in it were already adults, so you didn't necessarily have to deal with that whole, oh, God, they're going to age kind of thing. Because obviously, you know, yeah. Twilight, Vampire Diaries, they were all kind of like... They were all supposed to be about 17, yeah. and you're casting, like, early 20-somethings. But even when in, in your early 20s, you're going to age, still yeah. age quite a bit, over even over the course of, like, a few years. Yeah, that's one thing I can't believe. And I was, you know, when you have that perception of going, okay, when you hit 18, you're done. You're like, you've grown up, you've had that day. No. But you, I think you age more. You go through like, puberty number two. Yeah, when, 18 and, like, and late 20s yeah. is your whole other phase of growing up. Yeah. So it's like, you grow out of your baby face stage, so it's kind of like, oh, this is why... You know, some of the vampire TV shows that where they're all meant to be teenagers, they just don't really work after a while. You can't mm. keep them going because everyone's growing yeah. up. It's... Yeah, which I think is hard because it tends to, when you think of vampires, you think, oh, teenagers. Yeah. Like, that tends to be the trope, unfortunately so, Yeah. when it comes to it. Especially because, obviously, that's the time they're supposed to be bitten mm. and whatnot. But then, you know, True Blood, just Dracula as well, they're all yeah. adults, which is what vampires B- Buffy, really... actually, a lot of the vampires in that, they're not... They're not, no, the vampires in it aren't young. They're, all the humans, they're all at school. <laughs> but at least they cut, They show them go through, like, college and stuff a little bit yeah. as well. So I would quite like that they try and keep it like that. Whereas, well, yeah. like, with, like, other shows, it's, like, supposed to all be happening in their time in high no. school. And it's like, oh. Yeah, no, one thing I did like about Buffy is it's seven seasons. And it mm. ends, well, I mean, Buffy kind of, she drops out of college. But, like, mm. Willow and that lot are still in it. So the whole thing is basically set from... Like the like our GCC point basically yeah. it's from like the, like the year ten to the end of end of uni end of college yeah. which I think it works really well for it but then we know it's end of every year they say oh yeah we're going into like the like senior year and yeah and exactly I think it works because at least they're keeping up with the times yeah no, I I like the fact that they did that as well yeah also there's one thing that we've not mentioned in terms of vampires um, Salem's Lot the Stephen King book I haven't read it <gasps> that will creep you out yeah. I've never ever been creeped out by vampires. Oh, and then I read Salem's Lot. So. I mean, if you're creeped out by it, I definitely would be creeped out by it. It's very spine chilling. It's basically there's a town. It's called Jerusalem's Lot, but Salem's Lot for short. And when you when you first read the book, the first like chapter is kind of like a prologue chapter, and it's about this guy and this like twelve year old boy and they're like reading these newspaper articles and you're like what's going on here and then it's like okay we have to go back and you're like right and then it's it you know you turn to chapter one and it's like oh okay so you've gone back in time at this point and you're seeing what happened 
And then by the end of it, you've seen that they've gone back to the town and they've just set the entire thing ablaze. That's what happened. It's bookended like that. So what happens is, is that um, this guy, I can't remember, it's been a while since I've read it. I, I don't want to pick it up again. Like, <laughs> oh my God, the fact, thing, the fact that it was oh. creeped out so much and I'm like, oh, okay. It was so, it was so, I mean, it's Stephen King. It's yeah. good anyway, but oh my God. So this guy, I think, he, I can't remember why he goes to this town, but then at the same time, um, these Two other people have moved into town as well. I cannot remember the the names of them for the life of me. But one of them is a human. And I think they take up residence in like an estate agent or something. Or like an antique. I think it might be an, an antique shop. Mm. And basically the other one is a, is a vampire. You never see him. He's the silent partner oh, type. yeah. And then a kid goes missing. Okay. Little Danny Glick, 12-year-old Danny Glick goes missing. And everyone's <laughs> like, what's happened to him? He was asked, you know, he was taking a shortcut through the woods to his mate's house. And then a few chapters later, Danny Glick's best friend is in bed at night time. Mm. He hears a little tapping on the window and it's Danny Glick hovering outside his window going please let me in oh can you let me in you have you know because it's the whole you have to invite the vampire in yeah and he's and the friend is like okay you can come in and that that was what that was what got me is just Danny Glick at the window hovering one story up outside his best friend's window and I remember I remember reading it, so I borrowed the book off my friend. Yeah. Um, it was around the time It Chapter 2 came out, and oh, my yeah. friend at work was like really into Stephen King, and he loaned me Salem's Lot, because he was like, oh, you like vampires? Here's Salem's Lot. And I was like, great, cool. And it's a very, it's a very easy read, so mm-hmm. it was like, I was able to get through it quite quickly. I think I was like, you know, because I was like, oh, I don't, I'm not scared of vampires, this is really good. I was reading it before bed. Oh, no. And I think, I, I've managed to sleep just fine. And then I woke up at three o'clock in the morning, like really thirsty. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go get some water. And I was like, okay, I'm going to get out of bed. And I was just there. And I was like, <laughs> I'm going to get out of bed and get some water. And I was like, no, I'm not going to get out of bed and go get some water. Because <laughs> oh my, my bed is right was in this old flat I was in. This is a couple of years back. My bed was right next to the window. Oh, no. And I was like, oh, my God, Danny Glick's outside my window. <laughs> <laughs> I have never been so scared. I was just... I was just like, there's going to be a little boy hovering outside my window. And I was just like, oh my God, oh my God. You just wouldn't let him in. I know, but it's just like, obviously I wouldn't let him in if there was, but I was just lying there like, oh my God, I'm so scared to get out of bed right now because obviously it's dark. And I was like, okay, I'm going to grab my phone off the side really slowly and just like, I brought (laughs) it in bed and I was like, I'm going to put my phone torch on. I'm not going to turn on any other lights because I'm scared what's going to be there if I turn on any other lights. (laughs) I'm going to run to the kitchen I'm going to get my water and I'm going to run back to bed. And I did just that. I remember being in the kitchen, <laughs> chugged half the water in the kitchen, ran back to bed with the remainder of my glass and set it down on my bedside table. And I was like, oh my God, I don't know if I can get sleep. But what I did, I was just like, fuck it. And I just like, hid under my duvet oh. for three and I fell asleep under my duvet. And I woke up um, about half past five in the morning, just like about an hour or so before my alarm went off. And because I could see the rays of sun outside, I was like, I can sleep normally now until oh. my alarm goes off. And that is the only time I have wow. ever been scared of vampires. Was it just the way it was written? It's the way it's written. It's very, it's so creepy. And it was just like, oh, it just sticked. It just stuck at the back of my mind. Oh, I think I have to read that. I read my first Stephen King recently. Yeah. And it was good. I think it was anything amazing. Which one was it? Rose Matter. 
I've heard of that one. That's not one of his better ones, I don't think. No, it was I mean, it was free on Audible, which is why I read it. Well, I listened to it. And yeah. the whole thing was, like, this woman is in a sort of, like, physically abusive relationship with yeah. her husband, who's this detective. And there's, yeah. like, he's, like, clown, he's, like, commemorated, you know, all that. I think he's so abusive to her. And eventually she's like, oh, I've had enough, I'm going to go. And it's about, sort of, like, her life. But then she gets this painting when she moves into this new town. Mm. And then it's, like, she was really drawn to it. And it's got a very similar name to her. Uh, yes, yeah, so I think it's... The, Painting called Rose, Rose Madder. Mm. Uh, she's like Rosie something else, and it's just drawn. There's like the painting has like like mystical elements to it. So the whole storyline is basically yeah. the whole like domestic storyline. Yeah. Where you'll see then he comes and finds her, and like they'll point. So I was like, this is just so strange. Yeah. But like it was still good. But I think I want to read more of his like works. But I... that one I might have to read next. Yeah, just definitely. because you've said it. It's only about three hundred pages, and okay. there's a there is a TV adaptation of it that's like quite old. But I think they might be doing a more Ooh, modern one which would be cool. really good if they that's do cool. i mean i watched it and i laughed all the way through it oh i love i love it <laughs> i, I think it was really great good. yeah but when everyone else was, was jumping i was like yeah. this is really fun oh god <laughs> i've um i watched the most recent tv show of the stand because obviously it's got agon scars going oh and yeah he played randall flagg you know the ultimate devil in Stephen yeah. king's universe which is really good and um i've got the book of it but the book is really dense <laughs> yeah i've seen it is so it's quite hard to get through, but it's still it's still really good. But weirdly enough, speaking of like you know, because obviously they had Alexander Skarsgård playing Randall Flagg, you kind of think, ah, oh, have they um sort of romanticized slash sexualized the devil? Yeah. And I had this whole thing. I think I posted a video about it on YouTube, being like, hmm, maybe Randall Flagg is like more chaotic neutral rather than outright chaotic evil because of mm-hmm. how he's presented at points. Like in the like I'm in the book, like he has um. He, he has pamphlets um, for, like, any kind of purpose. So he'll have <laughs> pamphlets to do with socialism, but he'll have stuff to do with the KKK on him, too. He has everything. Because <laughs> the whole point of the devil is that the devil gives you what you want, basically. Yeah, true. And I feel like having, you know, casting someone like Alexander Skarsgård, who is very, like, he's a very attractive man to, like, a lot of people. Um, he's more of a generic pretty boy, yeah, in a way, not in like the generic no, British boy no, sense. I mean, like, but he's very, he's very, very attractive yeah. looking as a man, and like, I think casting him as a character that's meant to be the devil is the whole point in that mm. regard because he's meant to the whole thing of Randall Flagg is that he's meant to appeal to anybody who meets him, mm. and he's going to give you what you want basically, but then. As time goes on, you realise, oh, wait, there's actually a catch to all of this. Yeah. That but that's, you're, lulled in, you're very much lulled into a full mm. sense of security with him. I like that. But yeah, and then, like, in the stand, obviously, he's set up this whole thing in, like, Las Vegas and calls it New Vegas, and everybody practically worships him, and he's giving everyone what they want, and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to look after you and all that, and then uh, he gets absolutely murked by the end <laughs> of it. They, Yeah, there's a very much, like, deus ex um deus ex machina thing that happens with it but um it's so well done it's really it's really good but i do think that like even a lot of people who watched like the old version of the sand they didn't like this new one Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of the criticism was oh why would they cast someone like alexander skarsgård he's not menacing enough and i was like no he is the whole Mm. point is that he also needs to look good because if you're such like some of these people say if you're such a big fan of like stephen king and the character of Randall Flagg as the devil, then you surely would understand that he's there to lure everybody in. And yeah. part of that has to be 
his appearance yeah. as well. So, yeah. and then you get all the bad side yeah. come out of but it I think as well. That, again, it's the whole modern interpretation, the fact that like you have things like the devil, all these mm. like you know old ideas where in the past they would have been like they would have been like disgusting to look at because they rep- because of what they represent, yeah. they represent darkness and evil and all the things that are bad. And obviously that you know having them looking awful can also play into the trope of like why is it that like everyone yeah. you know why is it always the disfigured people that are evil as yeah. well kind of thing i think he had to just get the nice happy balance between yeah. the two because obviously i think that sometimes casting someone for the sake of it is like mm. could take away from the character but then also yeah it shouldn't just be like you said mm. oh the, the you know that yeah the disfigured people should always yeah. be the bad ones because that's obviously not how that's not how it works no that's, that's not how it really is bad. <laughs> yeah but yeah but also i think people forget as well alex Scott, he's very tall yes he's he is. six foot four so he can he can really tower over people and he's a you know people who've watched tarzan and true blood and yeah. you know the upcoming northman film which i guess by the time this has been posted it will be it will be, <laughs> it out, will but like, be out they know he can be built like a brick shit house basically <laughs> there's no other way to describe it so it's like and he's so good with like his subtleties and his acting i like you cast the perfect guy as mm. the devil in the sense that like he's gorgeous but he can also play menacing really well. Like, if yeah. anybody's seen Big Little Lies... Oh, my he, God, yes. Where he plays Perry. That's the first time I've seen him in anything with yeah. Big Little Lies. Seems very, great. very disarming. Yeah, is... but I think it's very much representation of the modern world in real life because obviously even the people who are the most aesthetically pleasing to look at have that side of them yeah. where they will just inflict all this pain, all this yeah. suffering on people. And I think that show is probably why that he got cast as... Really? Well. I feel... I think that's why because, you know gorgeous guy but then oh wait he's awful like yeah. he's truly awful and i think that works obviously for the character of randall flag so mm. i guess in one sense romanticizing slash in a way kind of sexualizing the devil kind of works yeah i think what i've come through is like through this discussion is that sometimes it works and sometimes it, does. it doesn't i yeah. think you have to just find what whatever for this, this particular story whatever works best for what you're trying to say yeah definitely and i think that's a good place to end it it is a very good place to end it i think it's been a good discussion it has it's been very fun yeah i think we've gone from like lots of different points but it's all kind of linked together it has and i've got a now much better understanding of it all so thank you very much (laughs) um i'm sure you'll be on again for another another episode sometime (laughs) okay we've we've done sherlock we've done paranormal wonder what we'll do next exactly i wonder too Mm. um well yes thank you again for coming thank on. you for having me always a pleasure always a joy mm-hmm. um yeah everyone stay tuned to another episode coming soon could be ace we found them we'll see where the tide takes us <laughs> <laughs> it's basically the theme for this series we'll see what happens and then we'll go with it like that as always everything's linked in the description thank you so much for listening and stay tuned for another episode next week see you later mm-hmm.